We're thankful for creating spaces like this. Yeah, come on, we can give them honor right now. Amazing. Amazing. I uh, am so excited to be with you guys. This is uh, such an incredible honor. Um, I'm actually going to be with y'all. I said y'all already. You can tell I'm from the South. Wow, I was really trying not to do that. I was really trying not to do that. Um, I'm going to be with you guys tomorrow morning as well, and uh, I'm so, so pumped about that. So um, I'm going to preach tomorrow, but I'm going to talk today. Is that okay? Um, I feel like God has uh, put a word on my heart specifically for this day, and um, I'm just really excited. Before I jump into it, just want to introduce myself really briefly. Um, my name is Noah Heron, and uh, I'm 24 years old. Um, I live in Cleveland, Tennessee. Um, and just four quick things about me. I recently got married. Um, yeah. About four months ago, I think we have a photo from um, our wedding, maybe, uh, of my wife. I don't know if you can see that beautiful lady right there. Yeah, if you're single in the room and you needed evidence that God is still doing miracles, I just want you to look at that girl right there, okay? Um, God is good. We've been married for four months. We made it. We celebrated our four-month anniversary yesterday. Uh, we went to Chick-fil-A. Anybody like Chick-fil-A? Come on, somebody. I didn't know if that was, if that was in New York or not. That's awesome. You guys know. Um, you know about the goodness. Okay. Um, my name's Noah. Uh, I got saved. I love Jesus. Okay? I got saved. I am saved. That was a prerequisite to speak today. Um, I'm 24. I actually gave my life to Jesus when I was 21. And so I um, gave my life to Jesus through a YouTube video. Uh, and uh, I think it's really cool how God speaks through even YouTube. Um, and uh, I have the, the huge honor of leading a young adult movement called The Gathering. Um, I think we might have a photo from uh, The Gathering as well. Um, it's in Cleveland, Tennessee. I don't know if you can see. That's some of our family right there. Um, but basically, the story of The Gathering is there was nine of us about two and a half years ago. And uh, we wanted to start a Bible study together. Uh, we had no intentions of it being anything more than just some friends gathering in an apartment. And um, two and a half years later, uh, we have about 1,200 young adults a part of our community. And um, God has just breathed on, uh, on a desire for um, religious apathy in our region to go away. And um, I really feel like God is using youth to show that. Uh, how many of you know when some youth get on fire for Jesus, it affects the parents, it affects the grandparents, it affects the whole family? And so um, I'm really, really thankful for, uh, for our community there. Um, the last thing you need to know about me is I love to preach God's Word, but my favorite thing to do is to preach God's Word to people who respond to God's Word, which I can already tell that's you. So um, you can uh, respond this morning. You can say amen, uh, right? That's Hebrew for true that. You can say um, hallelujah, preach it, white boy, whatever you want to say. Um, if you hear something that you don't like, I want to hear from you too, okay? You can email me at mikemore at gmail.com. And uh, I'm going to respond in alphabetical order. Cool? All right. Hey, we're going to be in Genesis this morning. Genesis chapter 6, starting in verse 8. We're actually starting um, in my favorite verse of Scripture. My favorite verse in, in all of Scripture. I'm reading from the message um, 
the message version. And uh, this is my favorite verse in all of scripture. Are you ready? It says, God liked what he saw in Noah. My favorite verse. I literally read it all the time. Like, have you read your Bible today? Yes, I have. God liked what he saw in Noah. Um, this is the story of Noah. Noah was a good man, a man of integrity in his community. It keeps getting better. Um, I'm going to skip down to verse 18. This is what I want to focus on. This is God speaking to Noah. This is what he said. He said, but I'm going to establish a covenant with you. You'll board the ship, and your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives will come on board with you. You are also to take two of each living creature, a male and a female, on board the ship to preserve their lives with you. Two, sorry, two of every species of bird, mammal, and reptile, two of everything so as to preserve their lives along with yours. Also get all the food you'll need and store it up for you and for them. I love this last part. It ends with this. It says, Noah did everything... God commanded him to do. Noah did everything God commanded him to do. I want to talk to you um, about this idea. Uh, the title of this talk this morning is just build the boat. Build the boat. Will you just say that with me one time? Ready? One, two, three. Build the boat. You guys sound amazing. Are you awake? Are you awake? Anybody have coffee this morning? Yeah. I'm one of those people, I have one sip of coffee and immediately become an instrument of speed and aerodynamics. So um, you're about to see me take off in a minute, okay? Um, will you just pray with me? Uh, dear Lord, thank you so much for these moments. We don't take it for granted. We ask that you'd speak to us um, even now on a Saturday morning in the cold. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And everybody said, amen. amen. <laughs> um. Man, anybody, uh, anybody use social media in the room? You're on social media. I probably use social media a little bit too much. Um, I really, really like memes. Anybody like memes? I love memes. I love memes. I'm not going to talk to you about memes, but I love them. And um, I'm on social media a good bit. Uh, and when you're on social media a good bit, you see things that are pretty crazy. Anybody seen anything crazy on social media? Okay. Um, the craziest thing that I ever saw on social media was when my wife Maddie and I got engaged. We um, had someone take a, a, a photo of us getting engaged, and we posted it on Instagram. Okay, um, I think we might have this photo. Can you see that? I don't know if you can see that. Everybody go, all oh, ready, one, two, three, all. Oh. Okay, there was like four of us. It, it was great. It was a really good moment, um, and we took this photo uh, and we put it on Instagram. And when I say that people were commenting on this photo, I mean like all of Instagram was commenting on this photo. People I had never seen before, people I didn't even know if they were a real person. They had like the little blank photo as their profile picture. I was like, I don't know where you're coming from. And they were saying the nicest things, right? They were like, oh my gosh, congratulations. Hashtag Hashtag relationship goals, right? Like all that stuff. There was this one girl, I kid you not, this is what she said. This is how I read it in my mind, the voice that I read it in. She said, OMG, be still my beating heart. I was like, I'm pretty sure you don't want that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how you die. You know what I mean? I don't think you want that. 
But people are commenting all these things, and we're, le- we're like sitting there with her family, and we're kind of like chilling, um, celebrating this engagement. And, and I remember we're reading these comments, and, and Maddie, she looked at me, and she was like, if they only knew about how we got to this moment, if they only knew about all the things that didn't make it on Instagram that got to this moment, I wonder if they would be saying all of the same things that they're saying now. Um, and so uh, I would love to share with you, if, if you'll allow me, to, to just share really quickly the first time, the story of the first time that I told Maddie I loved her. Is this okay? Can I, can I do this? Awesome. I was going to do it anyway, so I'm really glad someone said yes. Okay, so Maddie and I, we had been dating for maybe two or three months at the time, and um, I really knew, I, I knew already that I loved her. I knew already that I wanted to marry her. That might sound crazy, but I've been praying for something specific for a long time, so when it walked into my life, come on somebody, I was like, that's it, okay? So um, we, we had been dating for two or three months, and um, I knew I wanted to tell her. The problem was I would get so nervous whenever I wanted to tell her. I mean, when she would walk in the room, I'd be like, I'm going to tell her, and I'd get nervous, right? I'd be like, I'd walk up to her, I'd be like, hey, I got to tell you something, babe. She's like, what's going on? And I'm like, I, uh, I, I think you're out of toilet paper in the bathroom, you know? Like, I just, I couldn't work up the courage to tell her. So we had this trip planned. A bunch of our friends, um, there was like six or seven of us, and we were all going to be going to Hawaii last summer. And so I was like, you know what, I'll just wait till we get to Hawaii, and I'll tell her when we're in Hawaii, because what better of a place could you tell the woman of your dreams that you love her than in Hawaii, right? I'm picturing me, like, surfing up on a surfboard. (laughs) I've got coconuts in my hands, (laughs) you know, like Bruno Mars is playing in the background. This is what I'm picturing. Um, And so we get there, it's the second day, and all the guys are staying in the living room, like, uh, Two of our friends, they were on the pull-out couch, but I was saved, so I let them have that. I was sleeping on the floor in the living room. And um, all of a sudden, I hear the door open. It's like 5 o'clock in the morning, way too early for people to be getting up, all right? And um, I hear the door open from down the hall, and I'm awake. It wakes me up. I'm just laying there. And all of a sudden, I see Maddie come out of the room where the girls are staying. She comes walking down the hall, and I'm like, oh, no, you know, she sleepwalks. What's going on? She walks right out the screen door out towards the ocean. And I am, like, getting Titanic vibes. I'm like, what is going on? I throw open my sleeping bag. I run outside. And she's just standing there looking at the water. And I was like, hey, hey, is everything, is everything okay? She said, yeah. She said, I think I might have eaten some fish that wasn't really good last night. I just don't feel super well. I just needed to get some fresh air. And as she began to say this, it was like an audible voice from the Lord said, this is your time. <laughs> and so I looked at her and I was like, hey, well, why don't, we, why don't we go walk down the beach, you know, like I like to do? Why don't we go do that? And she was like, sure. So we start walking down the beach, and it's real romantic, right? We're, we're kind of talking, and the sun is starting to creep up um, on the horizon, and John Legend started singing. I don't know where he came from, but he was there too. And we start walking, and, and I felt like it was this, this is my moment. This is my time. I, I'm going to tell her that I love her. And so I, I grab both of her hands, and I stop her, and I look into her beautiful blue eyes, and I said, uh, I said, Madison, said, I've been wanting to tell you this for a little while now, um, but I was waiting for the right moment, and I feel like this is the moment, and um, I just wanted to tell you that I love you. And then I said it again, because my voice cracked a little bit. I'm still struggling with that. I said, I love you. And she looked back at me, and the sun was kind of glistening in her eyes. I'll never forget this moment. She, she looked back at me, and she said, uh, 
She said, I think I'm going to throw up. And she ran to the bushes. Yeah. Welcome to my life. <laughs> she ran to the bushes. Um, I had this thing pictured in my head, right? I had this thing pictured in my head that was building up for so long. I thought it was going to look one way. And when we got to the moment, it looked a completely different way. When I read the story of Noah, you know, in, in church, a lot of times the story of Noah is the story that we read in the kids' class or, or in the kids' church. It's, it's this simple story on the outside, right? It's, it's like, man, God was going to come and flood the earth, and so he said, Noah, why don't you get all the animals and put them in an ark, and you'll survive. And now we have Labrador retrievers in our living room, and we're so thankful for Noah, right? It's a super simple story, but when you really look at the story of Noah, the story of Noah is a hard story. It's a really hard story. It's the story of God coming to a man and saying that something is about to happen and then it not happening the way that Noah probably thought it was going to happen. Most biblical scholars believe that Noah actually built this ark for 120 years. Can you imagine doing anything for 120 years? Right, right, like I think when we read the story, a lot of times we go, man, Noah, God said to Noah, hey, go build this ark. And then we just are like, oh, man. And then like the next day, Noah like got a yacht and became a member of a yacht club. You know what I'm saying? It's like this like boom, 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 like fast paced. No, 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 no. God came to Noah. He said, hey, I want you to build this ark. And if you build this ark, I'm going to put you in, I'm going to restart the human, the human race with your family if you build this ark and put the animals on it. And, and then Noah said, okay, I'm going to do that. And then he went out every single day for 120 years and built this boat. 120 years. I'm talking to you about faithfulness this morning. How many of you know that it's really easy to be faithful at the beginning of something? It's really easy to be faithful when God gives you a word. It's really easy the next day to hop up out of bed and go, man, God's going to do something in my life. Man, God, God is using me. God, he is giving me a word. Right? It's really easy to be faithful in marriage on the honeymoon, right? But what about year 10 when they just will not put the toilet seat down, right? <laughs> a little harder then, right? Really, really easy. To be faithful at the beginning of something, really easy to be faithful when you're seen. But what about when God calls you to go in the woods and build for 120 years? Not as easy to be faithful in those moments, but what I know is that God has called us to be faithful. He's called us to be faithful. Recently, the New York Times put out an article um, about nine months ago on the millennial generation. Anybody a millennial in the room? I'm a millennial. I'll claim it. I'll claim it. Name it. Claim it. Um, they put out this article on millennials, and the article said that the average millennial between ages 22 and 35 will hold 15 different full-time jobs. The average millennial. Okay, that means that a lot of us will hold more than that. And what this article was getting at, it wasn't a Christian article. It was just saying, hey, millennials are a generation that is after the opportunity. Right, so they will do something as long as there's not a better opportunity that comes their way. And as soon as the opportunity comes their way, they will jump on that opportunity. And I was reading this, and I was like, man, I kind of started getting offended. I was like, I'm not, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm, I'm like that. 
right? And then I started thinking, how often do I jump to the next opportunity? Maybe it's not a job, but maybe it's something that just looks a little bit nicer or it looks a little bit better. The problem with opportunities is that God has never called us to opportunities. He's called us to an assignment. There's a difference. An opportunity will elevate man, but your, opportun- your assignment will elevate God. An opportunity is all about satisfying you for a moment, but your assignment will give you purpose your entire life. An opportunity can be full of hype, but your assignment will be full of purpose. An opportunity might give you joy, but your assignment is what God put you on this earth for. Are we chasing opportunities or assignments? I think in 2019, there's a lot of people who want to be famous, but God is just looking for one thing. He's just looking for someone to be faithful. Right? When we get to heaven one day, God's not going to say, well done, my good and famous servant. He's not going to say, well done, my good and successful servant. He's not going to say, well done, my good and rich servant. He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. He has one measurement of success on this earth, and it is simply faithfulness. Are you succeeding in following Jesus this morning? Can you pick up the hammer and build the boat? Will you say it with me one more time? Ready? One, two, three. Build the boat. Build the boat. I wrote this down. You can't Facebook faithfulness, right? You can't Instagram integrity. I think God is just looking for some people in 2019. Maybe I'm speaking more to the millennials in the room. If you're like me, you're always on your phone. Maybe what God is looking for is someone who says, this isn't for my followers. No one else has to see this. This is for my father. This is for my father. What I love about Noah is nobody saw what he was doing until it was time for God to fulfill his promise. I love that. This is what Galatians 6, 9 says. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I'm going to read that one more time because that that deserves some ums. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Someone say, mmm, that's good. That encourages me. The promise is if I just keep going, we win. If I just keep going, God gets the glory. If I just don't give up, it's going to happen. I remember growing up, I played t-ball. And uh, I was about five years old. This is one of my, my earliest memories as a child. Um, five years old, maybe, maybe four years old, playing t-ball. And uh, my coach put me in left field. Um, he couldn't see my potential, okay? I don't know if you've ever been to a four-year-old t-ball game, but not many balls are going to left field, okay? Not many balls. So he puts me out in left field, and I really wasn't that mad, if I'm, if I'm being honest with you, because I was the closest player to the snow cone truck, okay? The snow cone truck was really close to left field, so I would always be the first one in line for snow cones after the game. I wasn't mad about it. But this, this season, there was maybe six or seven games, and the whole season goes by, and I didn't get a single ball hit to left field. I mean, I'd be out there, I'd be focused, you know, I got my, my ready stance, like my hat's kind of sideways because I was always throwing it. My mom would get mad at me, but I, I was ready for the ball. It would never come. I would get a little upset, but then I'd get a snow cone, and I'd be fine. Whole season. We get to the last game. Kid you not, last game. There are two outs. We're one out away from, from free snow cones, and um, this little, uh, I don't know, heftier four-year-old gets up to hit, right? He had eaten his Wheaties. And he gets up to bat, 
And sure enough, he hits this ground ball that goes past the third baseman and rolls into left field. I mean, the crowd was going wild, okay? Everyone looks at the crowd's going wild. Really, it was my mom. But um, <laughs> everyone looks into left field, and where the ball is rolling, there is no left fielder. Because the left fielder was already in line at the snow cone stand. True story. I was ready. I was ready. But I thought about this. How many times has God put us in a position and asked us to do an assignment only for us to move right before the very thing happens that we were put there to do? How many times in my life have I let the opportunity to my left distract me from the assignment that I am standing in right now? How many times have I let the distraction of success, the distraction of what other people around me are doing. Oh man, I don't know if God is really using me like them. I better move because God can't be, God's not using me like that right here. What if we left this place committed to our position, committed to seeing God do what he said he was going to do in our life where we are? What if we committed to simply this idea of, man, I'm just going to go back and, and build the boat. God, you, you called me here. I'm just going to go back to, to building the boat. God, you called me to, to be a teacher in, in this school that, you know what, it's not my favorite school. You know what, these aren't my favorite students, honestly, but you put me here, and I'm just going to keep building the boat. I, I think about Noah in, in, in the Bible and how hard this must have been. Right? Like, like imagine this conversation with, with your wife, okay? You come home. And you're like, hey, hey, babe, um, I'm going to quit my job. Oh, you are? Yep. Yeah, I'm going to build a boat. <laughs> we talking, we talking like, a, like a rowboat? I'm thinking more carnival cruise ship. <laughs> We're going to need some room. <laughs> like, like maybe, like maybe. Like I, don't know, like I know my wife, like she would have been supportive probably like right then. She probably, follow your dreams, you know what I mean? <laughs> but what about after 10 years, right? Hey, babe, um, you know, we used to get invited to the neighbor's house for tea and crumpets, you know? We don't get those invites anymore, okay? I don't know why I thought Noah was British, but I just did. <laughs> I literally pictured him being British. You know, it probably got pretty hard pretty quick. When, when God calls you to do something that doesn't make sense to the people around you, right, 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 like, like this is the thing. It's really easy, it's really easy to obey God when it's clapped for. It's really easy to obey God when it makes sense. But it's really like a different level of obedience when everyone around you disagrees with what you're doing. It, it's, it takes a different level. Like I, I imagine year 20. At this point, Noah's been building for 20 years with not a single sign of what he is saying is going to happen coming true. I just imagine, just imagine what people were saying. Noah, you're crazy. You've been doing this for 20 years. Your kids are grown. You wasted 20 years doing something that does not matter. And Noah's out in the woods and he's just going, I just got to keep building. You're 40. You're 60. I imagine doubt had to creep into his mind, don't you? 
I mean, he was human like me. I imagine I'm out there building for 60 years. I'm going to start having questions for God. God, why is this why is this so hard? Why am I still alone? Why have you not sent more people to be a part of this? Why, why is everyone around me so against you and I'm the only one and now I'm the laughing stock of my city and I've been the laughing stock of this area and I've been the laughing stock of my family. But you know what? You know what? You, you did tell me that. I'm just going to keep building the boat. See, to Noah, obedience was his core. Faithfulness was what he was about. On the surface, the story of Noah is easy. But when we dive into it, we see that the story of Noah is actually really hard. God promises us a harvest, like we saw in Galatians chapter 6. He promises us this harvest. My question to you this morning is, have you stayed somewhere long enough to plant a seed? Have you stayed somewhere long enough to build? Have you stayed somewhere long enough to see it happen? You know? Maybe you're here, you're like, man, I thought this guy was a preacher. Is he about to try to sell me a boat or something? Like, what's he talking about? What's he talking about? But the boat for you might be your marriage, you know? It could be your marriage. You were building that thing when you got married. But, you know, some time's passed, and there have been some days that you've taken days off. And maybe the whole point of this session right now is so that you'll go back and just pick back up the hammer and start building the boat of your marriage. Start pouring back into your spouse like you did when you first got married. Start loving them and taking them out on dates like you first did when you got married. Just saying, hey, I'm going to build this boat. I'm not done. God's not done in my marriage. I'm going to keep building the boat. Maybe the boat for you is, is your job. You know, you, you know that you're called to that area. You know you're called to do what you do. You know God's put you there for a reason, but it's hard, and you got a bad boss, and you know, he's a Mets fan and you're a Yankees fan or whatever and, and you can't deal with him anymore and, you know, he's got one of those southern accents and says y'all or whatever and you're like, I don't know if I can deal with this and God is about to use you to save your co-workers or save your boss or lead them to Jesus or, or do something if you'll just keep building the boat. As I was praying this morning, I felt like maybe for some of you in this room, the boat that God is calling you to build is this house, is this church. City church is the boat he's calling you to. Maybe you've been coming and, and, and you're, not, you're not all the way plugged in, you're not all the way serving, you're not all the way invested here, and maybe what God is calling you do, to do is say, hey, you know what, instead of watching other people build the boat, I'm going to pick up a hammer and start building with them, because if I build with them, it's going to get built faster, and I believe if we can build this boat faster, we're going to see the city of Albany changed for Jesus Christ. We're going to see the city of Albany in revival. We're going to see the city of Albany living for the kingdom of heaven right now. I don't know what the boat is in your life, but every single one of us absolutely have a boat that God has called us to build. The thing about boats is that the boat 
is always too big for us. The bow is always too big for us. I, I heard a preacher one time say, um, God has called you to hard things. And when he said it, everybody clapped. But I was in the back of the room and I was like, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know. Because I actually think that God has not called us to hard things. I think he's called us to do impossible things. So when we say God has only called us to do hard things, well, I know a lot of people who can do hard things, but I only know one God who can do impossible things, and I know that that is what I'm called to be a part of. So the boat that God's called you to build might seem impossible, but for God, that's right where he wants you. It's right where he wants you. I remember when we started the gathering um, two and a half years ago, uh, started as that Bible study, and um, within uh, maybe a month and a half, two months, um, we had about 200 college students showing up on Thursday nights, and, and like I said, it was not our intention, we didn't advertise it, it was totally um, a God thing, and uh, they started expecting me to preach, I had never, never done any type of um, public communication at all in my life. I was like, you're crazy. I'm not doing that. I'll never forget. We had, we had our biggest night ever. It was like a month and a half in. There was, there was almost 200 students in the room. And my friend, he was, he's our worship leader today. He comes up. He's like, you're going to have to preach. I was like, what? You, no, you're going to have to preach. <laughs> no, I'm not. He's like, no, you're going to have to, Noah. Like, we can't do a Bible study with 200 people. What are you going to, no way, no way. You're going you're to have to preach. I was like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. He gets up there, he leads three songs. He goes, all right, Pastor Noah's going to come and give us a word. <laughs> Got up there and preached seven minutes. <laughs> but I remember leaving that night and, and feeling like God was calling us to do that every week, calling us to, to, to build this, this young adult ministry. And I remember having this, this conversation with God, and I was like, God, I am not a public speaker. It's like, I, I cannot public speak. I want to throw up. I want to, I want to, uh, this is crazy. Like, I have anxiety right now. This is, this is unreal. Why would you give me anxiety? And I just remember, even back then, will you build the boat? Will you build the boat? Growing up, uh, we lived in Tampa, Florida, and my dad, um, he wasn't much of a, a landscaper, and so our grass would die like once a year, and, uh, and so uh, I was a little kid, I think I was like six or seven, and my dad said, uh, he said, hey, we need to resod the grass, and so he had all this, this grass and wheelbarrows and stuff, and um, he wanted me to help him, and uh, me and my dad have a really close relationship, and I'm so thankful for him, but he said, he said, hey, Noah, will you wheel that sod to the front yard? Okay, I don't know if you've ever resodded your, your grass before, but it's pretty heavy. I don't think I could push that wheelbarrow now, let alone when I was six. <laughs> so I turn to this wheelbarrow, and I start pushing it, and it's not budging at all, and my dad is kind of chuckling, you know. I'm getting mad. I'm like, don't you laugh at me. <laughs> and he's like, you're not pushing hard enough. You got to put your back into it, right? You got to yell. And so turn around and start pushing this wheelbarrow. I'm, Wah! it's not moving. <laughs> He's still laughing. Turn back around. Ah! All of a sudden, this wheelbarrow begins to move. 
And it doesn't just begin to move, it starts moving fast. Like we start going to the side yard and then we're to the front, we get to the front yard and I stop and I turn around and me and my dad are chest bumping. Like, like I felt like Rocky, okay? We're chest bumping, he's yelling, like we're, we're getting all hyped up and stuff. And I had no idea in that moment that when I turned and started pushing on the wheelbarrow that my dad was actually behind me lifting up on the handles. And the thing about boats, the thing about what God has called us to do, the thing about the impossible in our life is that when we turn, there's no way that we can move it. But when we turn and decide we're going to try anyways, and when we believe it's going to move anyways, you have a heavenly father who lifts up and takes the weight for you. All of a sudden, you start moving. You start seeing things happen in your life that you cannot get the credit for. I don't know about you. I don't want to live a life that I can get the credit for. I want to live a life that only Jesus Christ can be responsible for. I want to live a life that says, you know what? That boat's too big for me, but it's not too big for my God. Will you build the boat? I got one little story that I want to share with you as the band comes, and then I'm just going to get off stage, we're going to worship. Um, I have a little sister, and uh, her name is Carson. Carson is 19 years old, and um, a little bit about my family. Uh, Every person in my immediate family went to college at a school called Lee University um, in Cleveland, Tennessee, which is where I live uh, today. And so it was just assumed that when my sister got to college, she would go to Lee. It was just assumed. No, there was no pressure on her. We just thought that's where she would want to go. Um, so she gets to uh, her senior year of high school last year, and um, she's in high school, and my parents are like, Carson, what are you thinking for college? You know, are you, are you thinking about, do you want to go? You know, do you want to go to Lee? Do you want to go somewhere else? And she says, yeah, I do want to go. Um, I've been praying about it, and I feel like God has called me to go to a school called Emmanuel College in Georgia. And my parents are like, that's awesome. That's amazing. And then my parents looked up Emmanuel College in Georgia and saw that it cost $42,000 a year. And they said, are you sure you heard from God? <laughs> and... Uh, and she was like, no, I, I, I visited it on, um, on a field trip, and I really love it. And when I was there, I had this encounter with God in a chapel service, and I really feel like I'm supposed to go there and do missions and study to be a, bit, a missionary, and, and I really want to go to this college. And my parents were like, okay, well, we're just going to pray that God will take care of it, but you need to have backup options just in case because we can't afford this. My parents are pastors. They're like, we can't afford this. You know, we're, we're pastors, okay? Like, we don't have that money like that. So she starts praying. And um, fast forward all the way to May of that year, right? College decision time has been passed. Like, we need a decision. And um, I was in Cleveland. They were living in Atlanta. And my parents tell the story that they were at dinner table, at the dinner table, and my parents said, uh, they said, Carson, what do you want to do? You know, we have, she didn't have any scholarships, no scholarship money to go there. Um, they said, Carson, what, what do you want to do? We don't, we, we can't pay for this. This is a lot of money, and uh, you're going to be a missionary, so you're not going to be making a lot of money either. You know, if you, if you get... 200,000 in debt, you might not ever make 200,000 in your life as a missionary, not in, not in dollars anyways, and, uh, and she sat there, and she said, no, she said, I'm, I'm going to Emmanuel, 
my parents were like, Carson, no, no, you're not. You're not going to Emmanuel. She said, yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. I'm going to Emmanuel. My parents were like, Carson, this is how much money it costs to go to Emmanuel. This is how much you make working at Starbucks, okay? You're not going to Emmanuel. And she looked at my parents and she said, my entire life, you have told me to have faith in a God who does the impossible. And in the moment that I'm trying to do that, you're now telling me he can't. She said, can I please be excused from the dinner table? My parents were like, do we ground her? Do we ground her? She goes upstairs, and um, my parents live in a, a smaller, smaller house, and they said that they could hear my sister weeping upstairs. And uh, my parents were sitting at the dinner table, and they just started praying because they, they felt so bad. They were so discouraged. And all of a sudden, they heard my sister's crying stop, and she starts singing this song uh, called Waymaker. Have you heard of it? goes, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Dark, My God, that is who you are. She starts singing it over and over and over. And as she started to sing, my parents started to sing with her. Started to sing, sing, sing. The next morning, my dad got a phone call from a number that he'd never had in his phone. And um, someone from Emmanuel, they said, hey, um, we really would love your daughter to come up here and meet with some of our, uh, some of our student leaders, student leadership council. We want, them to, want her to come up here because we think that she'd be a great fit. Maybe as a freshman, we should bring her up here, talk to, the, talk to the team, and also some of our staff wants to connect with her. You know, are you free at all this weekend? And my dad said in that moment, he was like, I don't know if I even want to take her because I don't want to keep giving her false hope. But at the last second, my dad was like, okay, yeah, we'll come up there. We'll, we'll be, we're on our way. We're about an hour away. Drive to the school. They meet with the team. And they're about to leave. And a man walks out of his office and says, hey, are you Carson Heron? My sister says, yeah, that's, that's me. She said, will you, come, will you guys come with me? Walk back into the building, walk into his office, and find out that it was the president of the university that had come out of his office to grab Carson. And they're sitting in his office, and he said, hey, this is, so, this is so crazy. But last night around dinner, we had an alumni call. And he said, I want to pay for an incoming freshman's college. He said, I want to pay for an incoming freshman who wants to be a missionary. And I want to pay for the whole thing. And so we'd like to offer you a four-year, full-ride, all-inclusive scholarship to Emmanuel College. My little sister turned to my dad. She said, I told you. This is what I know about our God, is that when he calls you to it, he's going to see you through it. That when he calls you to build a boat, if you will just pick up the hammer and turn towards the direction that he's called you and begin to take the steps, that he will provide 
when there seems like there's no way. He will build it for you. See, we think that it's us building, but really God is the master builder of our life. I don't know about you, but I find comfort in that this morning. Will you stand with me? I'm just going to pray and we're going to worship him. We're going to worship the God who makes a way. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that God, all we have to do is obey. Lord, you do the heavy lifting. God, you fight our battles for us. You fight our battles with us, Lord, and we are comforted this morning by that promise, Lord. Galatians 6, 9, we will see a harvest if we do not give up. God, Psalm 62, 6, you are my rock and my salvation. I shall not be moved, your word says. Lord, we hold fast to that promise, God, that you are our rock. God, that as we pick up the hammer and begin to build, we have a firm foundation, Lord. We give you the areas in our life that you've called us to, Lord. We surrender, God. We know that you can do more in our surrender than we can do in our control, and we give it to you. We love you. We thank you. Amen.